teacher friend, welcome to another episode of Simply Teach, a podcast for teachers and by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. I'm a former teacher turned classroom organization and management coach. My passion is to help teachers just like you organize, manage, just love their classrooms. Each episode is full of simple ways to engage your students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. Because y'all, I know teaching is hard, but I am so glad that you're here. Hey teachers, you're listening to episode number 24, and today I'm talking with a former colleague turned mentor turned my friend, Ginger Bordeaux. But first, hi! It's been a while since we've talked on here, and I'm so excited to be back in the podcast world since I've been in the process of moving the past few weeks, but here's the update. We move into our permanent apartment this week. Well, actually, we got the keys on Sunday, and our lease officially starts tomorrow, but we've been slowly moving in all of our stuff all weekend. It definitely has been a challenge, though, to navigate building a house from ground up. Well, I shouldn't say building a house, more like furnishing a house from ground up in a country where I don't understand the language. Luckily, though, there is a TK Maxx within a seven-minute bike ride from where we live, so I'm basically back in America. And yes, they do call it TK Maxx. I knew this store and I would become best friends when I went to it on the first day of our orientation trip back in August. I didn't have a straightener that worked with the plugs here, so I found TK Maxx and made my first ever European purchase there, and now I'm there pretty much almost every day. Like I said, it's like being back in America. Today I'm chatting with Ginger about lesson planning, curriculum planning, and advice for teachers interviewing. Ginger walked into my classroom probably less than three weeks into my first year of teaching. Her official title then was a TOSA teacher on special assignment, I think is what it was called. But basically she was like an instructional coach. And she worked with me and my team for the next few years, helping us with lesson plans, helping us model or helping us by model teaching for us, just all sorts of support. She challenged me to think about math differently because that was kind of her expertise. And she supported me many times while I was lesson planning. She would model lessons for me, but then she left us because she went on to be an assistant principal, which I suppose is a great thing, but I missed my friend Ginger. Y'all, she's going to share so much valuable wisdom with you. We even talk about some fun ways to incorporate the upcoming holidays into your lessons. All right, y'all, here's my conversation with Ginger. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Hi, Kelly. I am really excited to have you here today. Um, when I was thinking about our conversation, I was remembering how I think like my first week or two in the classroom, you were in there helping me. You were, what were you, was your title then? Oh my gosh. So when they first had coaches, we were called TOSAs. Uh-huh. Um, I can't even remember what it stands for. Teacher on special assignment, right? Was that it? Teacher on, yes. Teacher on special assignment. And so you came in and you helped me set up math stations and, um, I mean, really, I think all four years that I was there while you were a coach, I worked with you pretty, pretty closely. Pretty, yes. I would say you were, you were one of the ones that was consistent and always asking you, you were open to help. So that made it easier too. Well, and I appreciated the way you, um, challenged me to think about things differently and, you know, kind of open up my, you know, broaden my horizons and whatnot. So anyways, I wanted to have you on today, um, kind of with that mindset of a coach, but also now you are an assistant principal. And so kind of just bring in both those, um, perspectives to, to the audience. So will you just start off by telling us a little bit about you? Okay. Um, I, let's see, have been in education for almost 25 years and I've been with Hayes for 15. So I've done a variety of different things from pre-K through eighth grade music in a private school to fourth grade math and science to sixth, seventh, eighth grade math and science. And then, um, you know, different grade level. I've taught almost every grade, though. I think the only grade I haven't taught is fifth grade. So from elementary to middle school, I've taught everyone except for fifth. And now I'm an assistant principal at Buda Elementary. This will be my second year at Buda and third year as an assistant principal, which... So you taught music? I don't think I ever knew that. (laughs) I know. Most people don't. 
It was my first year. Um, I went to school in Mississippi. I went to Ole Miss and trying to get in to teach in a Texas public school, being from Mississippi was challenging. They, um, they, it, I couldn't get a job. So I got a job in a private school and I had, I went to college for a music scholarship. So I had so many music credit hours. I was able to teach music, Gotcha. which was, it was, yeah, it, that was an interesting first year of college. I mean, first year of teaching, um, for sure. Yeah. But then I moved on to bigger and better things. That makes me think, do you know who Sophie Hudson is? She's like, a she's an author and she writes like memoir essay type books. And the no. first one I read of hers, um, she talked about how she went to school as an English major to teach English uh-huh. high school and couldn't get a job except for as a Spanish teacher. And she was <laughs> like, I don't really speak Spanish, but I was teaching Spanish. Oh yeah. I didn't, well, that was the funny thing. I didn't play the piano. I don't sing. Um, I played the flute. So I, I knew music and I could read music and all of that. And really I was responsible for um, having the children sing at mass every Friday, which that was also, I'm not Catholic. So that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that and was they hired fun. you at a Catholic they school? They did. They hired me. And then I taught from there. I went that next year I was like, when you have a classroom open, I want to be in this when I study, you know, uh-huh. um, I did. Yeah. I did two full school musicals, one in the fall and one in the spring. Yeah. I, and I taught art and I don't, I'm not an art. Yeah. It was crazy, but the parents were happy because they got, the kids got to use paint and clay. And I guess before the program wasn't really very good. Yeah. So to say that I made it better with not having that degree is <laughs> you can do anything. You can do anything for one year. So you can absolutely. Then was being an assistant principal or even a principal like always on your radar or did that? It, it was, you know, every year you go in and you have your, uh, back in the day it was PDOS and now it's T-test and you set your goals and where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself? And I did, there was a time um, I lived in Houston and my husband was in college and when he graduated there was a time I thought I wanted to go into school law. And so I had looked into law school, but then we moved here to Austin area. And the reality, I just didn't think I could get into UT law school. So I kind of was like, eh. <laughs> and then we had kids and life got in the way. And so um, I always kept saying, you know, I really do want to be a principal someday. I want my own school. I loved, I've always loved helping teachers and kids and and that's always been a passion of mine. So I knew that if that's where I wanted to go. And then finally, you remember David Hall? I do. Mm-hmm. Yes. He looked at me one day in, in our office when we were coaching and he said, I'm tired of hearing you talk about school. Just think if you would have done it last year, you would already be a year through. And like you would only have one year left. And I went, and he goes, no, next year, are you really want to at the same time? I'm still be talking about, I wish I would have started school or would you would rather be halfway done? And I went, enough said, go do it. So then you did it. I did it. I did it. Was that hard doing that while teaching? Well, I guess you were coaching at that point. I was coaching. So it wasn't, it wasn't as shy. It was hard. It was a lot of work. Those teachers who do it, that they're amazing to me Mm -hmm. to have to go to school and teach and grade papers. So my only saving grace is I didn't have to grade papers and I didn't have a classroom that I was responsible for. Yeah. Working and going to school. That's no joke. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, it's worth it. And it goes by fast, but while you're in it, you're like, I'm dry. I mean, there were several nights of tears and wine, tears <laughs> and wine. <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. Yeah. When, so a lot of the listeners are new teachers, first year teachers, and um, kind of coming from the administ- administrator perspective, what are some things you're looking for when you're walking in to a teacher's classroom? Okay. That's a good question. So I'm, and I'm, um, think about it every year before we start school and I think about our teachers and what do I want to see and what am I looking for? So it, it varies on, you know, what school you're with or what time of year it is. So the first, the beginning of the year when I go into classrooms, I really just want to start seeing routines that you are building relationships and that you have, you're teaching the kids routines through learning there should still be some class. I want to see, you know, education. I want to see the the standards being taught. But the first few weeks of school really are all about 
getting those routines in place, that you're organized, that you, you have it together, and that you're building the relationships with the kids. Because if you don't get that done in the first week or two of school, then nothing else can be done. So I remember even coaching and went into, it was a first year teacher, she was so cute. And I went into her room and she wanted help with uh, probably problem solving or math review, one of those things that, one of those initiatives that mm-hmm. we had. And she wanted help with that. And I told her, I, I stopped and I said, first we have to get your routines in place. Then I can help you with the content. Mm-hmm. So, cause I think anybody can teach the content it's you got to have those routines in place. Once those are in place, then we really start digging in. And I really want to see um, student-led learning. I want to see what kinds of questions are you asking? Um, what are the kids doing? Who's doing all the work? If if the teacher, if I'm in there for ten minutes, because you know sometimes our walkthroughs range from a couple minutes to ten minutes to thirty minutes, just depends. But if I only get a snapshot of time, because I have to get into other classrooms. I'm in there for 10 minutes and you talk the whole time, then what is, what are the kids doing? And so I, I really look for, and my questions always end up, you know, what are the kids doing? How did they learn the assignment? You know, what did they do? I don't, I'm not there to see the teacher. I really want to see what the kids are learning. That kind of takes the pressure off of the teacher when you put it that way. Right. I, and it should be, I, I mean, cause really, unless you're really messing up, which most teachers are not, I really want to see what the kids are doing. We want to see what they're learning. I want to see that they're answering questions that they are thinking. I want to see their thinking. It's that visible thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and you as a teacher should be the facilitator for that. So I don't want to come in and hear you talk about math or reading or the story. I want to hear what the kids have to say. So and that looks different, you know, from kinder through fifth grade. Obviously, kinder is going to be more scaffold. You got to get them talking, and that's you know, get them ready to and prepared. How do how do they talk? How are they going to communicate with each other? And maybe sentence stems, and that does have a little bit more teacher time, but um, it it, I, it sh- there shouldn't be a lot of pressure. I know teachers get kind of freaked out when you walk in and they see you with your clipboard or your laptop and they're like (gasps) and I always try to tell the teachers don't worry I'm I'm really here to see the kids I want to know what they're doing Mm -hmm. so one thing I remember you I I guess I was talking to you about like higher level questioning because that was always a struggle for me like in the moment and I remember you said just always ask why (laughs) when they when they answer you ask a question and they answer then just follow it with why and so That's, I started doing that because it, I mean, it really is like, if you can't think of anything else, just ask why. Right. That's funny. Cause you know, and I even, we have to do a T-test update and I had to watch a video and the teacher just kept saying, oh yes, that's right. And oh, that's correct. And I was like, ah, I just, it's in a video. I went to shake her and say, no, ask him, how do you know why? So I know one of my principals came in at one time when I was at Negley teaching third grade and they asked me, you know, we want you to do a PD on questioning. And I kind of looked at her and I was like, um, okay, I don't know what I do. I just do it. And, it, I, I, and it's not that I just do it. And I don't recommend this for anybody, especially new teachers. You should plan out your questions. Um, I started then after she asked me, I started thinking about what do I ask? But in a pinch, if you don't have something p- planned out, because um, we have lots of planning to do, if you don't have questions planned out, then you should just always ask why or how do you know? It really, that's the funny thing because it'll throw the kids off even if they're right, but it also gets them thinking that it's not all about the answer. It's about how did I get the answer? What was my thinking? So I try in lessons to plan out a couple of really good questions. Like I know I want to ask them these questions, but then always, always ask why, if you can't think of anything else, because that, that'll get that going and turn and talk to your neighbor. Why do you think that's the answer? So I like that you remember that because that is my go-to. Well, why? Why do you? I say it to my children too. They get really upset. <laughs> That's funny. What other advice do you have for first-year teachers? I mean, I guess uh, that's a loaded question, but that is. <laughs> um, that is a loaded question. So, um, know your kids. You you have to spend the time. There's a lot. I. You know, um, we talk about all the time, all that we have to do with paperwork and planning. And But if you don't know your kids, then you don't know where you're going. So you have to know your kids. Uh, I spent a lot of time last year with 
teachers and, and talking about you have to know the relationship, the why behind why they're doing something. Um, behavior today is, is interesting and there's always a why. So I guess maybe they should find out what's their why. Why are they here? Why do they want to be a teacher? Um, what's their purpose? And then also thinking about what's the kids' why? What's going on with them and how are you going to get them to where they need to be? Because the reality is most of your kids are not going to be on grade level. Um, depending on where you teach, you may yeah. get quite a few on grade level, but a lot of times they're not, and that's where you start. And you just have to make improvements, and it's all about growth. So we get caught up about testing, we get caught up about scores, and we get caught about grades, but really it's about the progress. Um, did, they, did they grow? And if they did grow, then how did they grow, and how else can you make them grow bigger? Mm-hmm. I, I was just know. talking to another teacher about that the idea of they may not always leave on grade level, but if they left with growth, then mm-hmm. you've, you've done what you need to do. Right. Yeah. If they, if they didn't leave on growth, you really, as a teacher and I've had, I've had it. I, I, I had a couple of kids. I was like, Oh wow. We didn't really grow that year. What happened? Was it you? It's the reflection. That's the other thing. The reflection piece. Um, I, I know as teachers, we tend to beat ourselves up a lot, but we need to reflect not as to, oh, I didn't do something right, but really, how can I do it better? Mm-hmm. Um, it's taken me a long time to realize, you know, you just grow. You just keep growing. No one's perfect. Um, but you got to get the kids to think that, too. We're in a society where kids and my two are, are, you know, they were horrible in the car the other night. I was trying to get them to stop. They're like, I just like to be right. Being right is what it's about. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not about being right. It's about how did you get to that answer? And it's about making growth and did you improve? So, um, and it's hard because there is such a focus on that star test mm-hmm. and, and whether you, everybody hit masters or everybody hit approaches or how many kids hit, um, you know, whatever. And, you know, if you have a kid and he's in third grade and he made a 20 and then he goes to fourth grade, well, the reality, are they going to make passing? Possibly not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could, it can happen, but you want to see that growth. We dealt with that with summer school this year with fifth grade. That was really hard. Those poor kids had taken that test already twice they were a lot of them beat down and a lot of them did not score well and you know I just kept telling the summer school teachers it's not about whether they're going to pass some of them or not a lot of them are not Mm -hmm. it's about did they make growth did they learn something um did we do anything to help them prepare for the next level because we all grow at different rates and our our reading levels and everything it, we can't just say it's you're going to be right here when you hit fourth grade. That's not that's not reality. Right. Well, and I think that's important too. What you said about like the teacher finding their why, because when you get in, when the year's moving and the stress of all the planning and the paperwork and parents and things that admin you know keeps bringing down and whatnot, um, it's really hard to separate. You know, like to not feel frustrated or not feel defeated. And so right. just remembering that why. Well, and then thinking um, to remember that why also like pinpoint where you have growth. So again, kids are going to grow at different rates. You may have some kids that are really soaring and then you don't get bogged down by the one or two that are not making growth or not moving as clear as quickly as the others. You got to think, those you need to look at and say, okay, they're not moving. What can I do? And quickly look at them. And then the others keep um, keep focusing on the growth that is being made because otherwise you, as a first-year teacher, by the time you get to October, you're going to be like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. And you need to celebrate every moment when you see growth in yourself and in the kids and, and just cherish that time and keep reliving it. Think about it. So when you do get down, you can go, okay, wait a minute. I was doing good things here. I'm still doing good things. Teaching's not, it's hard. Um, that's why we get summers off. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> says you get summers off. Well, we don't really get summers off, but we get a little break because we have to rejuvenate right. and remember and remember our why. Um, 
this year our teachers are going to do a vision board and, and so that we can, and I, I was already going to do one for myself, but to remember the why, because when you're down, that's what you need to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, we did an activity in January, our instructional coach and I, for, that we got from Lead Forward. Um, it's the pulling the string. So when I say, you know, don't focus, not it's not you don't focus on the lower kids, but you focus differently on them. Because if you've ever tried to push a string, it doesn't really go anywhere. It just kind of bunches up and it gets in a little thing. But if you take a string and pull it, everything moves in the same direction, upward. Mm -hmm. So if you think about your kids and what we did is on the string, you had beads. We put beads on for our high kids, our low kids, that special kid that really, you know, is struggling. And then you pull the string, everybody moves all at different rates, but everybody moves. But if you sit there and push it, it's just maybe the bottom few are going to move, but nobody else moves. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, look at the top. Remember we talked about, you and I had talked about questioning and that higher level and, and pushing the kids. And, and it's not about pushing them, it's pulling them up to that level. That's a good way, a good visual to look at it from. Because yeah. I think we do get stuck in, oh, I just have to work on these these lower ones and you know, you lose the higher ones in that and then you just tailor everything to them. So I think that's a good, I like that visual. Yeah. Well, our system kind of lends itself to that because we have RTI and we Mm -hmm. have 504. And so we look at the, and we should look at them, but then thinking they'll rise to the occasion. Kids are amazing at what they can do and they'll, they'll come up to it. I, I, I firmly believe, um, that when you pull the kids up and teach at that higher level, they'll come up to that. It'll, it may take some time, and it's not always pretty, and sometimes it's hard, but that's teaching. Teacher friends, I want to take a second to tell you about the organizer's bin. And y'all, I promise I'll be quick. But this is a free resource with organization and management resources that I've created to support you. There's a classroom makeover goal planning sheet, 10 organizational tools every teacher needs, a classroom management resource. Y'all, there's lots of good stuff in there, and I'm currently working on adding even more to it. So you can head to bit.ly slash tsot.org bin, but if you can't remember that, just go to this week's show notes. The link will be in there. But if you want to go to it right now, it's bit.ly slash tsot, T-S-O-T, org bin, B-I-N. Go there, get access, sign up to get your free resources. So what would you suggest to a teacher like trying to plan? You know, when I think about, I taught in a Title I school, so I had a very wide mm-hmm. range of ability levels. Or um, what do you say to the t- teacher trying to plan for that wide spectrum? Mm-hmm. How, do they, how do they do that? Well, you, well, you got you got to look at the standard and whatever the standard says, that's what you, that's what you teach. And so you realize that you have that wide spectrum. There's going to have to be some scaffolding within to get the kids, you know, our standards in Texas, they're the minimum standards. So when we're teaching whatever the TEAK is, that's our minimum standard. So we have to at least do that, but we should go even further, um, and I think the only way to really reach all the kids is small group. Mm-hmm. It's like what we when we did the uh, math stations is the only way that you could ever reach all of them is with small group instruction because um, you will have so many different levels, especially in a Title I school or in, in most public schools. Um, you have so many different levels in a classroom if you don't have the GP cluster or if you don't have the SPED, cl- you know, those different mm-hmm. clusters, you're going to have a wide range. Right. So I would still say you're still going to have to have the same questions, but no, I may need to tweak the numbers a little bit maybe for the kids, or they may need a little bit more scaffolding. That's where our RTI and 504 come in. They may need um, a place value chart, and this kid doesn't. So just trying to make it level the playing field, but the same type of question. Because mm-hmm. if I go lower, then I'm not preparing them for what they need. Right. I'm trying to think how to ask this. So how would you, for me, I always planned, like I always during the summer would take the year at a glance that we would get from our curriculum. Mm -hmm. Some districts don't have that uh, is what I'm learning. So 
how do you, I'm kind of thinking like we start out big thinking all year and then planning by unit and then Mm -hmm. by week. So what is, how did you plan? I guess that should really be what I ask. Right. Okay. Well, we, you know, cause we didn't have, um, that year at a glance came in when I start when I had third grade at science hall, which was great to have the year at a glance. Um, but when you didn't have that, you had to plan it out. So we always had the standards. So we would look at each, how they were broken down. And I got out a big calendar. This is very old school, <laughs> a big calendar. And we sat down and my partners and I, we would, um, you know, plan out, we did our own year at a glance. We mm-hmm. would say, here's what we're going to do. And then we talked about um, the units. And within the unit, we would talk about um, what, ass- where would assessments fall. And so, um, you know, you need to start with the assessment. What is that going to look like? What are you going to assess? And then from there, I would plan out the week. So, um, and I know it was hard uh, because for a couple of years, we didn't have the unit. Ass- the Well, they, we changed to, what is it? just uh, nine-week interim assessments. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't look at those to plan. That makes it a little difficult. Um, but if you have the assessment, you need to look at the assessment and then go from there. But I did. I would sketch it out and think about what made sense according to what, you know. It's so funny. I'm just thinking about it. I didn't have an order. We had to kind of make up our own order. So place value always went first because that made sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you would go from there to addition and subtraction and just kind of think think about the what sequence makes sense and plan out, like, how you're going to hit each thing for however many weeks you have. And then from there, once you get to your units, you need to kind of plan out, like, what are the big topics? So in one unit, place value, there's a lot in place value. So you'd have to figure out that and then think about how you're going to assess it and then plan the, the weekly lesson it's kind of crazy I think that's a good point though to go to that assessment because if that's what you're wanting the kids that's where you're wanting them in the end then I know that always helped me when I was looking at those assessments being able to say okay this is what I need to make sure that I cover but you also don't want to that to be your end-all be-all I don't think either no you don't and so well even though if you'll remember we were oh gosh um PLCs for second grade (laughs) and we were doing the common formative assessments so planning that you know you plan those and then go back and figure out how you're going to teach it so you gotta what is our question that we're going to ask what kind of assessment it doesn't have to be big that's the other thing is assessments could be two questions three questions ten questions make it what you want Mm -hmm. and then how are you going to make sure the kids get there so I know um, there's a lot of talk about teaching to the test but backwards design, it's not teaching to the test. It is your, what should the kids know and how should they be able to perform that? And then now how are you going to get them there? Because otherwise you're just kind of going at it blind if you don't know what the well, assessment is. And I, I mean, I can't even, the amount of times that I found a cute thing on Teachers Pay Teachers and was like, oh, I want to do this. And then I do it. And then, like, I remember with fractions, I didn't even, like, <laughs> read that in depth about fractions yeah. and I'm like doing all this stuff and then you came in my room and you're like but we don't do thirds in second grade or you know something like yeah. that you just get caught up in the cutesy fun stuff well and it's hard because teacher pay teachers you know those are lessons out there for the whole nation mm-hmm. or anybody and so that makes it hard because if you don't read your standard which I get when you have math and reading and um, writing and science and social studies it makes it hard for someone to know everything um so and I guess that's where you really before you can plan you you kind of have to look at your you have to look at your standards and really understand what are those verbs saying what is it my kids have to do and then how are they how would I assess that and then how would I teach that so I can't even imagine these days not having a unit like having it all planned out for you the what do we call it Year at a glance. Year at a glance. Yeah. I can't even imagine not having that now, but I know I did all of this without it. Mm-hmm. So with districts that don't have that, I mean, that's hard because then those teachers before school starts, you have to plan out your year at a glance. Mm-hmm. I remember teaching at Wallace Middle School, and we that was one of our assignments. The first week we came back, is we had to turn in our year at a glance, 
that we created as a team, mm-hmm. which was even harder because, you know, you all have to get along and say, yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that made it hard. Um, and if you don't know your standards, then that makes it even harder. So, but there's a lot of them. So that's why I liked when planning, when uh, teachers plan together mm-hmm. and try to be the expert. It's not necessarily that I'm just going to plan math, which usually happens, but being the expert so that if I'm the expert in math, then you, I can share it with you and you can be the expert so that we're, it's, it's, we're not all uh, doing the same work. We're not all doing the same work and we're working smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. There's, we eventually you'll learn all your standards. You'll, you'll know what's right and what's not. But as a first year teacher, you have to take it a little bit at a time. Nobody memorizes any of it. Well, there are some people out (laughs) there, but not me. But, you, yeah, it's just that study. Um, so there's a lot to the planning. And hopefully you have a good team that will help you and work together. Because um, you have to know those standards. Because that's the other part is it doesn't hurt the kids that they were doing thirds. It didn't hurt them. But then with, when you think about, well, I need to teach this. And I also have all this other stuff. But I, I ended up doing more than what I needed to. More could be better. Um, but we want to make sure, uh, that they're getting what they need and that in the time that you can give them, because, uh, you know, time is always an issue. Well, that's when a coach comes in really handy right. too. If you can find somebody in your district that is an expert in each of the subjects that can come mm-hmm. in and kind of, they do. I feel like for when you were a coach and you were supporting me a lot, you were kind of doing that back end work. Mm-hmm. As, particularly in math, but, um, that way I didn't necessarily have to do all that digging. You did that for me. Right. And then I could take that and really flesh it out in my lessons and make it better. Right. Well, and that's the thing. And that's the other part is hopefully campuses, the people that you talk to have coaches. That would be great. Mm -hmm. Um, if not find one, (laughs) find one somewhere, but that's the beauty of coaching is, is that, they are the experts and they should be able to tell you. So you should always ask. And there, I guarantee someone on that campus is an expert and you know, there, you just got to find them. Who, right. Who's the expert and who can I ask? Cause it just helps so much. I, I do remember the first days of teaching and even when I went, you know, I went from middle school to elementary and that was such a shift for me. Um, I just remember feeling like a very brand new teacher and drowning sometimes. And mm-hmm. so don't drown, ask for help. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Speaking of new teachers, first year teachers, do you have any interview tips for somebody that would be listening that hasn't gotten their first teaching job yet or is trying to maybe move to a new campus? Okay. So dress for the job that you want. So dress appropriately. Um, Do people come in not dressed appropriately? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, we're pretty casual here, but when you come in for an interview and you have on jeans, that just doesn't look like you're very serious. I'm not saying you need to wear a suit for sure. Cause we're teachers. We don't wear suits, but women in a nice dress or a skirt or even nice pants, just looking nice. And I would say men would be in slacks, you know, jeans and, um, uh, I don't know. It just kind of, I'm old school. I'm not really old school, but I guess on the interview that, um, and then, you know, before you come into a school, do a little research, research the school and see like, for example, our school, seven mindsets, know a little bit about that. Cause I guarantee you, there's going to be a question about, you know, how do you, um, help kids with behavior and what do you know about seven mindsets? We're also, um, our new initiative from last year, we started in, the spring is blended learning. So all of our teachers are going to be getting on board, hopefully with blended learning this year. And that was going to be one of our questions. So that's something that is on our website and that teachers, we were, we would ask you about also know the district. What are the district initiatives? Like we do lead forward. So you might want to, it's not that you have to study and know everything, but know a few things, um, the clientele, the, you know, know your stuff, especially elementary. They're going to ask you about reading and they're going to ask you about reading groups for sure. They're going to ask you about how you teach math and what's the best practice. Um, what if it's a new you- teacher that doesn't have any experience besides 
student teaching? Besides student teaching. So you should know something about wellness, I would hope, with student teaching and just fresh out of college. You would know, hopefully, something about teaching reading. Whether you know about guided reading or not, um, something about teaching reading. Best practice right now is um, small group instruction, so hopefully you know something about that. But talk to what you know. So if whatever you learned in college, you need to be able to talk about what you know. How are you going to, basically, how are you going to teach the kids? Those are the questions we ask. How are you going to teach reading? How are you going to teach math? And what could your discipline be like? So thinking about what you saw as a student teacher or what you saw in college. And before you come in, you really need to have some idea of how are you going to discipline kids? What are you going to do for systems? And I know that's a lot to think about, but those are the things we're looking for. So for a new teacher to come in and tell me, um, you know, I, well, I, I believe in small group reading instruction and I'm going to have a group at my table. Okay. That, that works. And then, then instead of saying, well, you, I don't know what I'm going to do for reading. You know, I would rather them have some sort of plan, whether it's what we do or not. Mm -hmm. They have some idea of how they're going to do what they're going to do in the classroom. So that if you don't have a, if, if we have teachers out there that without a job, and I know some teachers, you know, they're going to graduate in December and be looking for a job in January. Those jobs are hard to come by in January Mm -hmm. just because we don't have a lot of teachers that leave. And then typically if we're hiring in January, we really want someone with experience. So in an interview, you have to sell yourself and make yourself shine. And you have to think about everybody's done student teaching, right? Mm -hmm. What makes you better than the other person? How are you going to get that job? You have to think about what makes you better? What is one thing that you know you can do that nobody else can, or maybe nobody else can? You have to, it's just, you definitely have to sell it. So I think about it as myself, if I was going to go for a principal job, well, everybody in the AP world does discipline and does LPACs and does all that stuff. So I have to figure out what makes me special, what makes me more unique and better for the position than anybody that's interviewing. So that's what I would figure out. You got to be confident. You have, oh, please. And that's so hard, like going in, you know, when I think about interviews I've gone into, like you're already nervous as it is. And Mm -hmm. then having to like amp up that confidence because you don't, I remember one time I didn't, now this was for a sorority thing, but I did an interview and, um, so it was back in college and they made me like write my 10 strengths. And I was like, well, I'm going to skip this. Y'all can read this. And they told me, no, you need to talk about what you're good at. Like you need to own your strengths. Yeah, that's hard. And it's hard because it's like you don't want to seem too braggy or too, but. So you have to come, right, you have to come across as here are my strengths, but I'm not bragging about myself, but here's what I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. So there is a fine line, um, but you really, you do, you have to sell yourself. You have to brag about yourself. You have to know what you're good at and what you're not good at and um, only talk about what you're good at because I've been in interviews where teachers have talked about I'm not really good at that. I'm like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. Just talk about what you're good at. And, and you know, if you don't know, for example, if we said something about blended learning, and you don't know what that is. Then you say, I don't know what that sounds really interesting. Can you tell me more about it? So practicing, um, especially if you get nervous in front of people, I would say for new teachers or for people who have don't even have a job yet, go find someone and practice. Practice an interview or set up your laptop and pretend you're talking to somebody, but you need to practice and, and, and really do find out, think about how you would teach reading and writing, but then also think about what you're good at, what is going to make you stand out and what's going to, and write it down and then practice it. Not to where it's so rehearsed where you go in and you like are saying a script or lines, mm-hmm. but just practice being comfortable talking about yourself. That's hard because I, I, I have been told and I didn't think I got the AP job when I got it because I was told you need to sell yourself more. And I was like, oh, I thought I did, but <laughs> I don't think I do it enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just be like, oh, you know about that. You know, like, right. well, I coached, you know, you got to sell like really what did you did do while you were coaching? So, um, 
definitely when I start going to look for a principal job, I will take these words and I will practice and I will write down all of these things to make sure I'm ready. I remember when I was in college, a principal came into one of my classes and was like giving interview tips. And I'll never forget this. She said, when an interviewee walks in, I look at their toenails and if they are not like if they're painted, but chipped, like they're automatically out because maybe she didn't say they're automatically out, but she said that it was like a big X against them because it's like, if you can't even, um, pay attention to detail to like come into something professional and like look put together, then how do I know that you're going to pay attention to details in the classroom? Well, and that, and she does have a point. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you come in and you're all a mess, and I mean, we've sat in the we've sat in interviews, and um, you don't know what to say, or um, you didn't really think about what you were going to do, or why you want the job, or anything, and and then you don't have you know, your shirt's untucked or your hair's not done. I mean, it does kind of like you didn't even make an effort. Right. I guess that's where I come back to the dress is, you know, you're coming to an interview and I know you won't dress like that all the time because we know teaching you're down on the floor, you're with the kids, you Mm -hmm. go outside. Um, but you should make the effort. It's always dressing, you know, you dress the part for what you want. Right. And thinking about that. So it does make sense. Um, Although everybody that's come in usually looks pretty nice, except for the jeans. That just tears me up. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know we pay good money to wear jeans on in schools. Yes. Right? Those jean right? passes that you buy? Oh yeah. Yes. Those are those are high quality. High they quantity. Are. Okay, I wanna wrap up with now that we're kind of approaching the holiday season, what are some things or ways you would include holidays or maybe not in your classroom or on your campus? <laughs> Okay. Well, so, I mean, you have to acknowledge the holiday holiday time. So kids are going to be, um, they are definitely more amped up. They're excited. They know Christmas is right around the corner. Um, you do also have to be careful because we do have, um, you may have somebody that's Jewish or Jehovah witness and they, so you got to kind of tread lightly. Um, I usually do like winter celebration. Although when I got to a campus and they were full on Christmas, I was, I was in it. Um, but somehow you got to think of a way to incorporate that, but not lose the learning because you still need to learn. So whatever's happening, um, you can always adapt it to some kind of holiday theme. I'm sure. I know our teachers have done the countdown, um, to Christmas, the countdown to holiday, and they, they have it up on the board. Um, I always try to do some, not everything, but math is an easier one, especially like I know, I know our math um, here at a glance is fractions, right? At the holiday time. Yeah. Always fractions. So that does lend itself to having a little bit of fun um, with fractions. And then, you know, with reading, you can always have, there's always a good way to incorporate, even if you're doing nonfiction, holiday reading so that the kids can enjoy the holidays as well. If you we, we get so wrapped up and so serious with, we have to learn, we have to learn, we have to learn. They're kids and we need to have fun too. Um, so, and one of the things that I did last year, what during Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, we did a holiday, um, read, uh, guest reader. So I would go into the classroom and read the book of choice. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to make things a little bit more fun to where, the teacher got a little break and the kids get a little break and enjoy the holiday. So even if, um, you had kids that don't celebrate holidays or Christmas, you can still incorporate it to holidays around the world. You can, so that's social studies. You can, um, talk about winter and the snowman and you can bring in other things other than just Christmas. But I, there are different ways to make sure that you can get holiday celebrations in, and still teach. So you just got to be very careful. Oh, writing is a great one. I mean, depending on where you are in your units, writing could be a good one as well. So it's possible to include all that. Just don't get carried away. Um, So usually we save that for now. We have um, our end of units. The interim assessments are usually that last week, right before Christmas. So usually the 
teachers do something the week before, like on that, they'll start like that Thursday, Friday, and maybe do Monday, Tuesday, and then just a little bit throughout the day. If I saw something that was going on all day long for a couple of weeks, I probably would have to question it. Yeah. But, you know, you have a little bit here and there and the decorating of the classroom. And um, I think it's good to learn about different cultures and all of that. So holidays are fun. And we can have it, we can make it fun. But then also doing things where it's connected to curriculum and have guest readers. I mean, so I did it for our campus, but you could also have parents come um, and have them sign up. I just did a sign-up genius and let parents sign up for when they wanted to come read to the kids. And they thought it was fun. So the teachers got a 20-minute little break. And Which then is like an amazing... Which is amazing, amazing especially that time of yeah. year, because those kids are crazy. So that's the other part of that. You know, we're trying to do end of nine weeks tests and NRM assessments and DRA and AIMSWeb and all of those all at that same time of year. So you kind of have to lighten the mood a little bit because otherwise you'll go. It'll just make you crazy and stressed. And But I think what you said way. was key about like still tying it into curriculum. Um, I remember when I was working with you and you saying, yeah, I mean, I'm teaching until the last day, like I'm still doing curriculum. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the fun, especially those last couple yeah. of days and the kids are already, you know, we're kind of already losing them. So yeah. be proactive and think academically, how can I challenge them and, you know, keep them engaged, but also even behavior. And I mean, you oh, have to amp up for sure. Yeah, if you don't, that's the thing. If you if you just get really loose during the holiday time, one, the kids are already, their behaviors are already going to be off the hook. Some because they don't want to go home and some because they can't wait to get home. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have your routines, that's what I'm saying. You can integrate it into the curriculum. You can pull in things here and there. But if you let it go and don't keep your routine and keep the rigor up, you're, you're going to have a horrible last week before the holiday. Um, that's just no fun. Mm -hmm. So those are great times, especially a lot of times teachers are reviewing or doing things, you know, we're wrapping up a semester. Those are great times to pull in big problem-solving projects. I know I had one class who did a grocery list for Christmas dinner, um, and they had to figure out all the money. So it's a good time for f projects that mm -hmm. can be um, – a little less stressful and maybe a little bit looser where it's really student led, but also very engaging and, um, very rigorous. So there are ways to don't just have a, a, a litter to Santa, but like there are ways <laughs> to incorporate all the writing and make sure that they are, st you're still on target and that you keep your routine. Cause if you don't, and I remember that conversation. You were like, what? Don't you ever have any fun? And I was like, well, we're having fun. And I do plan throughout the day, you know, some fun activities. But no, yeah, we taught. And so that was our other thing. Um, I'm glad I thought of this. So right before holidays, we would have a learning celebration in our classroom. So instead of a big, this also got rid of the big Christmas party. We still celebrated and all of that. But our learning celebrations, we did one in nine weeks and that's where we invited parents and we would have kids writing out and anything that we did that was shareable with the parents on their desk. And then kids would take turns and share what they wanted to, whether it was reading a poem that they wrote or sharing a project that they did. Um, and that was really our party that we did for Christmas. And then after that, we did those in the morning mm -hmm. and then had like a little snacks, little treats and then the kids went to lunch, and then they would come back and we'd watch, of course, Polar Express. <laughs> that was on that Friday before. You're the like, those last two hours. <laughs> those last two hours, yeah. you know, we watched Polar Express, and that was it. You know, so, I mean, there are ways to have fun, but keep it going. I love Just that idea of the learning celebration. I, I liked the learning celebration. The parents did, too. I really wanted to... And we may bring it to Butte. I really want, would like to see it. Um, some of our teachers did it, and some of them didn't. I'm hoping that we get more. Um, it's a great way to have the parents in and get that community involvement and show off what you've done with those kids so the parents realize, oh, my gosh, they really do work really hard. <laughs> and the kids love sharing what they've done. Yeah. And then you can have, you know, your admin come in and, and whoever. But... It was a great, that we did them all the time. They were awesome, and the kids um, really loved them. So it also, yeah, so it made it nice to write 
right at the end, the last day of school, okay, we're going to have our learning celebration. So we had fun. Yeah. That's good. That is fun. I like that idea. I hope someone listening takes that and incorporates it in yeah. their holiday celebrations. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it taking time to chat with me. And I know that teachers uh, will find it helpful hearing from somebody. Mostly I have teachers on and we're hearing, you know, things that are going, but to hear from somebody higher up in a different perspective, I think will be really valuable to teachers. So I really appreciate it. I hope so. If anybody wants to know about learning celebrations, just let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you, Ginger. Thanks, Kelly. All right, y'all, what do y'all think? Do you feel inspired, encouraged, motivated? You need to go find yourself a ginger, seriously. It doesn't have to be someone who has the title of instructional coach, but find someone who can challenge you, who can talk through ideas with you, who can support you through this challenging profession of teaching. Also, are you excited about holidays in the classroom? It's such a fun time. I'm in the middle of updating a holiday activities in the classroom blog post, but you can still find it on my website if you're looking for some fun and practical ways to integrate all sorts of holidays into your lessons. Last thing, if you have a minute, will you head over to iTunes to rate and review the podcast? It's super easy and it's how other teachers can find the podcast. Um, I did a Instagram story tutorial thing a couple weeks ago, so you can head to my Instagram also at the Simply Organized Teacher and in my highlights, I will link to it there. Um, But yes, I would love it if you would rate and review the podcast. Also, don't forget you can find out how to contribute to the podcast and the blog while getting additional content from me by heading to patreon.com slash the Simply Organized Teacher. All right, y'all. I'll see y'all next week. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and you can sign up for my email list there. Also, be sure to find the Facebook group because I want to be your social media friend. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com.